Hey, I want to welcome our friends Arshan and Hannah to come on up. Um, Arshan and Hannah have been friends for a little bit now, and uh, I think they met at Albion College, um, where Hannah served on the InterVarsity team there working with students, right? Is that how you met? Yeah. And then... Um, and then later, uh, Hannah got hired in as the uh, director of experiential storytelling in the office of the president. So you're having fun there, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And then, okay, wouldn't you like a job title like that? Don't you want to be the director of experiential storytelling? And so, um, so Hannah wanted to invite Arshan to read. And, and tell me why. Why did you choose Arshan? Yeah, so Arshan um, speaks with authority in almost everything he does, um, and I appreciate, I think reading scripture is an art, um, and some of us haven't cultivated that art all the way, um, and I look to Arshan as someone who brings the presence of the Lord when he reads scripture. So great, and, and you're a teacher, right, Arshan? Yeah. So you're going to put on your teacher voice yeah, for us? My teacher voice on. I get a lot of practice with them, that's where it comes from. <laughs> <laughs> So will you stand with us for the reading of the gospel of our brother, St. John? Okay, so this is from John chapter 4. Okay, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's good to see all these beautiful faces here. I'm glad to be back up here on stage and, um, you know, get to read the scripture with y'all. Okay, so be the word, be the word. Okay. Jesus and the woman of Samaria. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, weary as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samarian woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for, for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samarians. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are, right, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. 
the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? So the woman left her her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Many Samaritans from the town from that time believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Arshan. Awesome. So uh, I want to thank Arshan, but also like 15 people who showed up for me today. Um, I it feel very supported um, by friends and coworkers um, who came to see me talk today. I thought it would make me nervous. Um, it actually just makes me feel really confident, um, and I'm so grateful you're here. Um, so today um, I'm going to talk about our relationship with ourself. I'm really grateful that Pastor Claire and Pastor Scott Um, invited me to expand on um, what we talked about in a panel, um, Arshan and AJ and Victory and I, a few months ago, about bringing your whole self to church. And um, I am excited to talk about this, partially because um, we've just come out of five weeks of talking about money, and at this point, like... Talking about your relationship with yourself feels less personal, right? Um, So I think we're ready for this conversation. Um, So when I started thinking about bringing my whole self to church, um, I realized that I am not very good at bringing my whole self to church or really anywhere. And I was wondering, you know, why is that? And I think the truth is that um, we tend to bring who we think we should be um, so that we can get what we want out of interactions. And when I first, you know, realized this about myself as I was working on this message, I felt really manipulative, right? Like, I show up and I give people what they want, so I get what I want. Um, But subliminally, like, this is what culture tells us to do. These are the things that make me really socially successful, right? Is that I come and I speak in the language of the person across from me, I try to find common ground, and I try to find a solution that's best for both of us. 
Um, but you can see where this is a transactional relationship, right? Um, and I think that uh, this transactional relationship doesn't cost a lot each time you do it, but in the sum total of your life, you can look back and notice um, the parts of yourself that never get invited to the conversation, right? Um, I think about growing up, um, I always wanted to be one of the boys. I learned more about sports than literally any boy ever knew in my whole school um, so that I could be in conversations um, with that group of people because that's where I saw that, like, leaders were, right? And it's only in hindsight that I recognize that, like, I push femininity in myself so far away um, because over and over again in each transaction, what was wanted from me, that wasn't the thing that I felt belonged, Right? Um, so, um, today we're going to talk about, um, these concepts, but I want to take a second first, um, for all of us to think about places or spaces, um, where we feel like we can or can't bring our whole self to the conversation. Um, so take a minute. If you're a person who writes things down, maybe write a few things down that you noticed. If you're a person who um, just likes to close their eyes and think about things, that's this time. Um, But I want you to think about a time where you felt like you could be your full self. Um, Where were you? Who was there? Um, What did you feel? Um, What emotions came up for you? But also, how did you feel in your body, right? Um, and what did you observe um, as you think about these places where you have felt most fully yourself? Um, what do you observe as patterns? Um, one thing that came to mind for me is that when I drive into the city of Hillsdale from my hometown, um, I went to Hillsdale College, and I get this feeling when I drive into Hillsdale um, that like makes me feel bigger. Um, I sit up straight when I drive in that direction, um, and my stomach kind of, like, drops, right? Like, I feel anticipation, um, and I feel, like, a warmth in my chest um, that usually, you know, signals confidence to me. Um, And I think the feeling is that of, you know, this is the place where I felt like I became a leader, This is the place where I found my voice. This is the first place that I led other people into a relationship with Jesus. Um, This is the first place I believed in miracles, right? And so when I drive in, I feel all of that in my body. (laughs) And I think it's really subconscious. Um, But it changes the way I interact with people when I'm there. Um, So notice where that place is for you um, and keep that in mind as we talk about this interaction with a Samaritan woman. Um, But I also want you to think about um, where you don't feel that. (laughs) What kinds of conversations make you pause, um, make you think, I don't want to risk this right now. I'm not going to bring that part of me with me. Um, I know in a big scale way, um, I'm a head type. I like get really in my head. And there are certain conversations about politics um, with some loved ones or about um, issues that are really the things I'm most passionate about that when I am thinking about them or in conversation about them, I can like feel when um, I stop inviting my emotions. <laughs> Like, I can feel myself just go back to my head and fight with concepts instead of actually being present with the people I'm with um, and allowing my whole self to be a part of that conversation, right? Um, And believing that my whole self has something um, to offer that conversation. Um, So if something comes up for you, oh, one other point about where you can't bring yourself. Um, I was in a conference recently um, where they were talking about um, planning events because that's one of the things that I do. And um, what the, one of the speakers 
Um, she was a transgender woman of color, and she was talking about walking into an event um, and knowing that they didn't plan for someone like me to be here. Um, and it was really convicting for me as an event planner to think about spaces where I plan and what, do I, what kind of people do I expect to come right? And are we um, making it to where people can bring their whole self into this space? Um, You know, I think a lot of us, um, church isn't necessarily a place where we bring our whole self because something happened um, or something is said. And the first thought is, wow, they didn't think anybody like me would come today, (laughs) you know? Um, And so notice both kinds of patterns, both internally and externally, um, as we talk about this today. Um, So overall today, we're going to be talking about how Jesus calls more of us into the conversation. Um, I think most cultures that we're in, it's pretty easy to figure out what the rules are. Um, It's pretty easy to figure out how to fit in. What I need to do to get what I want um, is very easy to find out, um, you know, in the church, I feel like. Um, It's very easy to figure out in our workplaces. Um, But Jesus is inviting more of us into each of those spaces. And we see that in his interaction with the Samaritan woman. So we're going to go ahead and start unpacking that conversation a little bit. Um, Thank you, Arshan, for the great reading. Um, I love the story of John 4 um, because this woman who has been told that she has to hide who she is um, is called by Jesus um, to be all of herself. And um, when I think about someone who got to bring their whole self to church, I think of this woman going back and telling her whole community, he knew everything I had ever done which, like, wouldn't have been a compliment to most people in her culture when you think about the things she had done. Um, But that's what convinces her that Jesus is the Christ, is that um, he knew her, and he still loved her, and he still wanted her to be a true worshiper. She was one of the first people that Jesus told he was the Christ, right? Um, Of all people, this is the person he reveals that to Um, So I want to start unpacking this first by bringing up that the Samaritan woman asks her questions. Um, I love that um, she asks three questions before she makes any statements with Jesus. And I think she's really trying to feel out, like, what's actually going on here? (laughs) Why are you talking to me? I think is the summary of her first question. She says, how can you ask me for a drink in verse 9? And um, she's bringing up some really huge questions in that statement. So in this culture at this time, men did not talk to women outside of the household. I think it's almost funny um, and deeply sad that the disciples come back and marveled that he was talking to a woman, right? Like, that's a huge barrier. Um, And in her question, she right away feels like she doesn't fit in. Like, why are you talking to me? How can you ask me for a drink? But there's also a huge um, ethnic division between Samaritans and Jews. Um, So Samaritans considered themselves Israelites. Jews did not consider Samaritans Israelites. Um, They had, uh, you know, tension in the different tribes of Israel. They had disagreements about um, kind of the history after the Pentateuch and what God had been doing um, through the Jews. And so um, it was such a segregated community that you can see on a map still. We can look back and see where Samaria was. Um, and we can see that um, there are, there's the path that Jesus took that's kind of outlined in green on this map. Um, and then there's a dotted gray line of where most Jews walked 
completely around um, Samaria. And I love that in verse 4, it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And in Greek, this word is a day, um, which means it was necessary for. Um, and most of the time in the scripture, it implies a moral obligation. Like Jesus felt morally obligated to go through Samaria. And um, that's especially significant since nobody else did, right? Since they all didn't. Um, and so when Jesus is interacting with this woman and she says, why are you talking to me? I really think his answer is because I, I need to, right? Like you are exactly the person that I need to talk to and invite into the kingdom because you're exactly the kind of person who doesn't feel welcome in the kingdom. Her second question is, uh, where can we get this living water? Um, and in the you know, disagreements between Samaritans and Jews, um, place plays a huge part of it. And so um, for her to bring up, um, where can I get this? Um, She's wondering, you know, do I have access at all? Am I already disqualified? Um, And we know that this woman, it says, is at the well during the sixth hour, which in Jewish time is 1 p.m., Um, which I don't know about you, but if I was going to walk to get water and carry it back in the Middle East, I would not go at 1 p.m. Most scholars say that the reason she's at the well at 1 p.m. is because she would not have been welcome to go to the well with the other women in the morning. And so um, when she's thinking about living water and never being thirsty again, it means something very different um, than it does for me. I remember reading this passage as a kid and being like, Living water. Like, why would I want my water to be alive? Like, that doesn't seem logical. Um, But for her, this concept um, would be completely life-altering. And it's a symbol of salvation for us in this passage. Um, So it's really critical to her that she's in the right place to get this because it's something she desperately wants. And the third question she asks is, Are you greater than our father Jacob? Um, which I think is really about, am I in the right group? And I think uh, Christians today do this all the time, right? Like, am I in the right place? Do I agree with everything that this group of people thinks, right? Um, And she's asking, you know, is there a religious or theological barrier to me getting this water? Um, And I love the way that Jesus interacts with her questions. He doesn't, like, answer them (laughs) really at all. Like, he doesn't talk about geography, gender, ethnicity, uh, religion, really at all. His response um, is that he wants her there, that he um, welcomes you anywhere you are um, to be a true worshiper. And I also love that Jesus... Um, does what we can't do. Um, because I know for me, I, like I said, I'm a head type. I spend a lot of time asking these questions. Like when tragedy is striking, I'm wondering like if I did something wrong to deserve it. I'm wondering like big picture, why do good th- bad things happen to good people? Am I a good person? I'm, instead of like feeling my feelings, like I'm up here. Um, but Jesus um, brings up what's actually going on. Um, And he is the one who brings up um, her sin uh, or her cultural shame in an honor and shame culture like the Middle East at this time, right? Um, The burden of having had five husbands and living with someone who is not your husband um, would have been unbearable. And um, I don't know about you, but if I met someone I thought was the Christ, I would not say, hey, but what about this? Right. Can I tell you my worst thing and see if I'm still qualified? And, it, and the way that Jesus brings it up um, is to say, I, you are wanted. 
You are allowed. You are qualified. Um, I know this about you, and I still chose to talk to you. Um, And so when he says, you were right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Um, I read this in high school, and I felt like, geez, Jesus, like, just drag her through the mud. Like, I thought this was, like, how, as Christians, we were supposed to interact with sin. Like, call it out. Tell them the truth. Um, But what's amazing to me about the woman's testimony is she does not feel called out. She feels called in. And there's this um, language in social justice culture. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That Dr. Loretta J. Ross gives us. um, That instead of canceling people, right, um, that we call them in. We don't talk about what people do wrong um, to leave them behind. We tell people what they do wrong because we want more for them and we believe more for them. And so Jesus says these things and he doesn't give her any ultimatums. It's not like you leave that man or you (laughs) follow me. Um, He simply brings it up in a way that shows her um, that she is loved. Um, And the last thing I notice in this passage is that Jesus offers her belonging. Um, Jesus, twice in verses 23 and 24, he talks about worshiping in spirit and truth. And in my mind, that is bringing your whole self, right? Um, If you can... Bring all truth to the table in your full spirit, um, then you are able to bring your whole self anywhere you go. Um, and I love this passage at the end, um, verse 28. It says, So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Um, I love that she leaves her water jar. <laughs> Like, she walked all the way there in the middle of the heat um, and doesn't even come back, like, with what she went to get. (laughs) And she comes back a completely different person. Um, She goes to the well, um, ashamed to even be around other people, and she comes back and she's telling everybody, right? Like, she comes back and she is sharing. And there's multiple interactions in the Gospels where people meet Jesus, and then they go back and they tell their friends, "Come, come and see. Like, I'm not going to persuade you. That's not what you need. I just need you to interact with Jesus, and you're going to agree with me. (laughs) Um, So I think what I see in this passage is this cultural shift, um, or for her, like a change in how she sees herself, from not fitting in to having belonging. Um, And she uh, encounters Jesus in such a way that it changes everything about how she sees herself. She encounters Jesus, and he loves her. He cares about her. He says she's qualified, and he knows everything she ever did. Um, And suddenly that thing that she thought defined her doesn't define her anymore because somebody said it out loud and recognized it, and she is able to just see it as a part of who she is instead of all of who she is. Um, She sees it as part of a story instead of the end of it. Right In this culture, there would have been no uh, restorative justice for this woman. There would have been no way for her to come back from her mistakes. And instead, Jesus um, tells her that it's just a part of her story. And I also love that when her view of herself changes, it frees her to lead in her community. Um, It is incredibly difficult to lead um, if you have a view of yourself um, that is condemned right? Um, We don't lead out of condemnation very well, or we pass down condemnation. 
Um, and so I love that um, when, we, when you are not looking to other people to tell you that you belong, you, give, um, you really give love away for free, but belonging is the impact, right? Um, and I don't know if you've ever met people like this. Um, I've met people who are Christians, people who aren't Christians, who their presence is so strong in a room, and they're so sure of who they are um, that I find myself actually inviting more of me that I typically don't invite into conversations. Um, and I think one of the things that I love about Crossroads is I felt this with Claire immediately. Right? She has this presence about her that when you're talking to her, you know that um, she thinks all of you belongs because she thinks all of her belongs. And it's so rare. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's so rare that we interact with someone who feels that way about themselves. Right? I can count on one hand the number of people that I've had interactions where I felt like they really welcomed their whole self into the conversation. And I think that's what the kingdom of God really is. That's what this woman is being invited into by Jesus. Right? Um, it's a sense of belonging so strong that you can't help but give it away. Right? It's so firmly knowing that you're loved and that there's nothing that stands between you and love. And so you can be all of it and you can welcome other people um, in all of their mess. Right? Not just welcome other people to some level of perfection, but welcome people's whole story to the table um, so that they can also feel that sense of belonging. Um, and this difference between fitting in and belonging, I think Brene Brown um, has a study that summarizes it really well. She asked eighth graders, which, like, who has more direct language about fitting in than eighth graders, right? Um, she asks them how they would summarize the difference. And they say, um, belonging is being somewhere you want to be, and they want you. Fitting in is being somewhere you really want to be, but they don't care one way or the other. Belonging is being accepted for you. Fitting in is being accepted for being like everybody else. And I get to be me if I belong. I have to be like you to fit in. And I think it's really powerful because um, those feelings that we talked about earlier show up when I read this, right? Like, when I read that I get to be me if I belong, like, I get bigger. <laughs> and when I read that I have to be like you to fit in, I get smaller right away. And so noticing those things as you walk through your life um, and remembering that Jesus invites us to live full-chested lives um, that are where our presence is big um, is essential um, to seeing the self that Jesus invites us to see. Um, and Maya Angelou says, um, kind of as a follow-up to this, that you are free when you realize you belong no place. You belong every place, no place at all. The price is high. The reward is great. And I see this so clearly in the passage with the Samaritan woman because um, she's trying to figure out how do I get what he's giving, right? Like, how do I do this? And he says, it doesn't matter where you are. It's about coming in spirit and in truth. And once you're comfortable with yourself, um, it unlocks um, this ability to go into places where maybe they didn't think you were going to come, but you're there. <laughs> And you're going to bring that part of you um, to show them um, who, who, they, who you are and what they're missing. Um, and I think about these terms of fitting in and belonging. I think I'm someone who has a pretty strong sense um, of needing to fit in. And a lot of my story of that comes from my relationship with the church. Um, growing up, I knew exactly what it took to fit in in the church. And I formed my identity around that. 
Um, and it's really been in, you know, the last few years um, that I felt like Jesus has invited me out of that. And um, a few people, when I've talked about sharing this message, have asked me, how did I know um, that I belonged at Crossroads? Um, what about this place made me feel like I could bring my whole self um, and there's one specific memory um, that I will always remember, um, where we had, um, AJ and I, my husband, had just come back from a three-week trip in Europe, and when we came back on a Sunday morning, um, we found out we were pregnant. And I was super excited and um, came to church. Um, my Enneagram 5 husband uh, doesn't process his emotions as quickly as I do, so uh, we hadn't really celebrated yet before we came to church, and I just, like, worshipped with God. Um, I had had a few really hard years, and then for, like, two years, I got everything I prayed for. It was, like, absolutely wild. I prayed for a husband. I got a husband. Um, I prayed for, uh, you know, a new, yeah, it, just across the board, right? And so this was a part of my up into the right journey, right? Getting pregnant quickly um, was really exciting for me. And I came and I rejoiced with God that he was good and he wanted to give me good things and that I really believed that. And so it was more painful when a couple of weeks later, um, on a Sunday morning, I woke up and uh, I was losing the baby. And, um, you know, I just, I would love to say, I was like, I really want to go to church. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's what it was, uh, but at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning in Albion, there's not a ton of places to go and be sad. And I just knew I didn't want to be in my apartment in the first year dorm <laughs> at Albion College. Um, and so we came to church um, even as I was losing a baby. And um, I approached the service much like uh, the woman at the well. I came in with all of my big picture questions. Um, God, why would you let this happen? We prayed about this. We felt peace about this. I feel like you um, led us to this decision. And um, why would you do that if it's just going to end up this way? And I felt um, an invitation from the Lord to just go and light a candle. And I don't know what it is about that practice um, of slowing down and acknowledging the presence of God in this small way and lighting a candle specifically for a person I can't communicate with, right? Lighting this candle for Bella, um, which was the name of our baby. And uh, it just kind of unraveled me. Um, for the first time, I acknowledged that God didn't want this either. God did not um, choose this path. Um, he is also present and sad. And as I backed away from the candle wall, I just kind of like, I was so disoriented. Um, and Scott saw me and said, are you okay? And I said, no. <laughs> and for the first time, I said out loud right over there um, what was happening, that we were losing our child. And um, if you've ever had someone just stand in the place of Jesus for you um, and be the presence of God, um, it's so helpful because no questions. Um, I didn't actually want to be asking Jesus those questions. I just wanted Jesus to acknowledge that this isn't what he wanted. And Scott did that for me. And so when I think of Crossroads, this is the place where um, I most celebrated Bella, and this is the place that I lost Bella. And um, Jesus' Jesus' presence was there in all of it. My answers weren't necessarily there in all of it. Um, just like the woman, Jesus didn't respond and say, well, actually, X, Y, and Z, this is the answer to your question. Instead, he just said, I'm here. Um, and 
throughout the next um, few months, my relationship with Jesus shifted drastically. Um, I left um, a job where I was working in ministry um, and took a job at Albion College, and I moved from a deservedness faith of this is what I can do to earn love um, to a belonging faith of I'm just going to show up and know, like, you know, belonging that appearances can offer me is going to outweigh um, the pain I'm feeling, that grief that I'm feeling. And it was really liberating (laughs) overall, right? Um, And so I don't have like a nice bow to put on that story. It's been two years. Um, But I think that um, what I've learned the most from Jesus um, is that when you come into a space where the presence of God is strong, um, like I armored up all week to not have to think about this. And when I came to Crossroads, God was with me. And in these last few weeks, I've had friends who have reminded me that Bella is real and that Jesus is still with Bella and that Bella matters to Jesus um, and that it's okay that Bella matters to me and is a part of my story. Um, So when we think about true belonging, um, Brene Brown talks about how true belonging only happens when we present our authentic and perfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our sense of self-acceptance. And um, we can ignore our stories all we want to, um, but they live in our bodies. Our cells store them. Um, We can feel the pain of them, um, even if we ignore them. Um, Jesus instead asks um, that we show up with spirit and truth um, and acknowledge all that he's offering. So as we learn to accept ourselves, Um, I think it's just important to remember that Jesus himself chose to offer belonging even when it wasn't returned to him. Um, Even when he was rejected, even when he was nailed to a cross, he asked God actively to forgive us in those moments. Um, He continued to offer the kingdom even after resurrection and even to the people who betrayed him. Um, There is nothing we can do to be separated from the love of God. Um, And belonging to the kingdom of God means that you belong every place. And the powerful impression of not just belonging to God here, but belonging to God in your workplace, belonging to God in your family, and freeing them to experience that love. So I would just invite you, though, um, I used to tell my campers uh, when I worked at a summer camp that uh, if they couldn't trust God with their whole lives yet, just try doing it today you know. Um, And if you'd like doing it today, do it tomorrow. And then by the end of the week, um, when they'd had a whole week of it, they wanted to do it for their whole life, right? Um, And so if you need a place to practice bringing your whole self to church, I would just invite you to let that be crossroads. There are people here who have gone on a long journey of trying to do this, um, and you don't have to fit in here. Um, please don't feel like you have to be one thing or believe any one thing to show up in this space. Um, And so if this is the place where you start, um, congratulations. (laughs) Um, So a few questions for reflection in small groups this week. What part of your story needs to be invited to church? What thing have you been keeping tucked away um, that doesn't just, it doesn't feel appropriate for the space or um, it feels too big or would cause too much pain? Um, Go ahead and think about that and invite that to church. Um, Where do you need permission to ask questions or disagree 
Um, I find that I have a really hard time when I don't feel like I belong disagreeing, right? (laughs) Um, But Jesus invites that. He doesn't want you to withhold that. And then who can you offer belonging to this week? Who needs to know that they are safe to be fully present with you? And like I said, we can't fully offer belonging because belonging is the impact, um, but the love that we offer causes people to feel that sense of belonging. So um, thanks for inviting us to belong to ourselves and to feel that um, letting go mm-hmm. of fitting in yeah. and the welcoming. And I like it, you know, taking, getting a little bit bigger. Could you all just practice that for a moment? Just take a breath and get a little bit bigger and know that you are fully received in God's presence. And, you know, also appreciate your willingness to you know, to talk about Bella with us and, um, and to say that, you know, if, if you need prayer today, um, some of our pastors are going to be available right up here afterward if, if you need particular prayers because um, we're never made to walk through uh, these days alone. And um, God wants to be with us in the midst of all of those things that we think we can't bring to church. And can you imagine if we um, waited until everything was perfect before we came to church? (laughs) And I think that invitation is winsome, um, and I really appreciate it. You know, and and even that you invited people to come here to Crossroads, I think that's such a, um, that's true from your heart. One of the things that we know is that there's a place for everyone, Mm -hmm. right? And it may not be here, but where did you... Where did you show up and you know that you can be long to yourself and you can belong to other people? And um, if it's not here, hurry up and find that place because life is way too short for you to only think you can bring some parts of yourself in the presence of God and God's people, you know. And I actually love that there are people in this church that know the worst things about me. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Because then I don't have to, then I don't have to. You know what? No, yeah. no performance, no, no fitting in. And um, so we're going to actually end with this beautiful song. But before we do that, could you just take a moment in the silence and allow the scripture that's been read today to be a reality for you? We actually say, let the scripture read you. Find yourself in the story. And maybe you could even put yourself in the position of that hot, sweaty moment when you went to get something you needed, whether it's water at a well. Maybe that would be helpful for you to even picture that. And Jesus shows up and asks you for something. Asks you for some way to give him water. Almost like Jesus is putting himself on equal ground with you. A man of sorrows, the Bible says, acquainted with grief. Rejected, 
suffering Christ puts himself on an equal ground with you. Says, hey, can you give me a drink? And what would keep you from engaging face-to-face with Jesus? Is there some shame or blame or fear or anger or questions? What would keep you from engaging with Jesus? Just say that to the one who's asking you for a drink. And then what would Jesus say to you? Would he say you've had five husbands telling the story of what the pain you've been through in your life or the difficulty, something done to you or something you've done? What would Jesus say back saying your name, hear your name from Jesus, and Jesus saying, you have, and let Jesus fill in the blank. What's true about your life right now that would keep you from feeling loved and worthy and belonging? And let's bring that to God now.
like the dust that you first held in the garden where you knelt. Pull me up against your face again till the breath of your hope fill the depths of my soul till all I know is I've been found by love. just in this moment, just lift your head toward heaven and allow yourself to get a little bigger, knowing that all of you belongs to God. And so God, I pray this week, my friends would find themselves thankful and grateful and dreaming and singing and lost in your grace. Bless them, we pray in the name of the Father and Christ the Son. And then in the name of the Holy Spirit, who lives within each one of us. Amen. Have a beautiful week, friends. If you need prayer, just know that we're up here. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.